0: And so, some of the stories that Jesus told, and we can call them parables, Jesus liked to tell stories, He liked to teach in stories, and those stories that are called parables or as I refer to them sometimes as simply Jesus stories, they're good stories, but Hmm, I don't know, y'all. Sometimes they need repair. Or as we say in the South, sometimes they need fixing. If you've been around here for a length of time, you know that one of my absolute favorites can be found in Luke chapter 15. Now, I know I told you to turn to Luke 18. We're going to get there in just a little while. But in Luke 15, we've got this story about a man who has two sons. And one of the sons says to dad, in so many words, it's really inconvenient to me that you're still alive. So if you don't mind, just cut me the check and I'll be out of your hair. And so dad does. Insulted as he might have been, as hurt and heartbroken as he might have been over such a request, He didn't do what he could have done and had the son brought up on charges based on religious law. No, he gave him his portion of the inheritance and sent him on his way. And so we know what the son does. He goes off to a faraway land and he engages in all of this uh, wild living. He squanders that portion of the inheritance that was his. Doesn't invest it with a financial advisor or doesn't put any portion of it in the bank or anything like that. Just wild living as the story goes, and then gets to the point where he's desperate. And so he comes home. And as he's coming home, he hears the music of a party. And he's like, oh my goodness, they are throwing some kind of a shindig. And then he meets up with one of the servants and one of the servants tells him, you know, he says, hey, well, what's what's going on here? What, why, why the big party at the house? And the servant says, well, you know, your older brother, your dad decided to celebrate him and throw him a party because he stayed home and he followed all the rules and he worked hard here for his dad. And so dad appreciated that. And so dad killed the fatted calf and and dad said, it's time to have a party and let's recognize the worth and the value and the contributions of this older son. Now you see what I did there? I fixed it. I fixed that story, didn't I? Well then in Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18 we pick up and In uh, verse 9 of Luke 18, because then Jesus tells another one of these stories, another one of these parables, and it says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down to everyone else, looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Now stop right there for a second the title of this message is looking around during the prayer and that's essentially what he's doing right there right he's looking around during the prayer he wouldn't have known that there was a tax collector nearby and so he's giving God sort of his resume right God don't forget this is what I've done and this is what I do But then we continue on. Once I find my place. Verse 13, But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now come on. Really? That's the way Jesus told the story? Doesn't that seem like it needs a bit of repair? I mean, after all, you've got this tax collector we discussed it before how over and over and over again in the gospels tax collector is used synonymously with what other term I hear you mumbling it sinners right I mean he's a sinner he's a sinner and he's the one that goes home justified Oh, really? Because if he's a sinner, that means he's done wrong, right, church? If he's done wrong, doesn't he deserve some kind of punishment? Doesn't he deserve to get something that's owed to him? And then you've got this person who has told us what all he does, very good about giving the Hebrew scriptures which were prevalent at this time say give a tenth and he says I give a tenth and he's there all the time he's not a robber he's not an adulterer according to what he says he's not an evil doer so why doesn't he get to go home justified it's a story that just needs a bit of fixing, doesn't it, church? Because after all, there's something within us that says that you know, people that do wrong, they deserve what's coming to them. To say, wow... When somebody messes up, there are consequences to those actions. And so we want justice, don't we? I wonder how many of us, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of us watch those shows on TV? Oh, my goodness. It seems like there's an endless stream of them, especially now that we've got 742 channels on TV. The number of shows that are these police dramas, and even if they're not on anymore, you can go back and and stream some of those. And what are they about? They're about right and wrong, aren't they? Man, I used to be the biggest fan of Law & Order. And I, I just... I mean, it followed the same formula every single time, every single episode. The show ran for about 20 years. And then, of course, there are all the spinoffs, you know. Special Victims Unit and all the different stuff. Uh, criminal Intent. I never watched much of those, but the original Law and Order that started back around the late 80s, early 90s, and ran for about 22 years or something. And... It followed the same, pers- you know, same sort of formula every time. They start off with a crime. And then the detectives show up and they start working through and putting the pieces together. Okay, we know the crime. Let's look for all the people that might have had a motive to commit this crime. And then about halfway through the show, now they've got their person, they're under arrest, and now it turns, it's in the hands of the district attorney. So now the district attorney goes to the prosecution phase. And so sometimes at the end, Jack McCoy was happy, and then sometimes he wasn't so happy. Actually, if you watch the show, Jack McCoy never seemed happy. But nonetheless, um, sometimes justice is done. And that's what it's all about, right? It's justice. It's justice. Let people get what they deserve. And then sometimes in life, there are things that throw us for a bit of a loop. Like... Oh, probably about 10 or so years ago, a guy goes walking into a Wednesday night Bible study in South Carolina, takes out a gun, and I can't remember now exactly how many people perished that evening. I want to say it was about nine If I'm off a little either way, just forgive me. But I want to say it was about nine people that were killed that night. They went to church. That's all they did. They just went to church. It was, I think as I put it in the bulletin last week or this week, I don't know, I call it the midweek shot in the arm. I thought about calling it the midweek kick in the pants. But, but either way, it's that, as Scotty mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's life isn't easy. And so being who God calls us to be is a challenge during the week. And so you get three days removed from this right here and then spending one hour with other folks, or bringing your kids or your grandkids, and letting them be taught by people who are giving of their time to teach the little ones—it's a beautiful thing. And that's all they did. They just said, "Hey, we just want to show up and study divine scripture for a little while," and they lost their life. I don't know the hearts of all those people, but I'd say if they were the Wednesday night Bible study, they were probably in pretty good standing with the Almighty. But then I remember CNN reporting. I remember family members of these victims said, "We forgive this man." We forgive this man. And I know there were people that said, what? What are you talking about? What do you mean you forgive him? He took away your mama, your grandmama. He took away your precious neighbor, that kind of person that was always nice enough to go bring in the trash cans for other people. Maybe mowed somebody else's lawn when they weren't feeling up to par. And they they took that innocent life and you forgave them? I'm going back even further now, probably, well, uh, to 1992. So more than 30 years ago. For about six days in Los Angeles, there were riots. I'll never forget that... from one of the television news helicopters as they zoomed in on an intersection. And there was a truck there at that intersection waiting at that red light. Four men pulled a man out of that truck. His name was Reginald Denny. And they pulled him out of that truck and they threw him on the pavement. And they started kicking him. One of them picked up a block and threw it and hit him in the head. It's a guy trying to do a job. And out of nowhere, people pull him out of his truck. And they're whacking him in the head with a cinder block. Did Reginald Denny respond? Sometime later, he's on the Phil Donahue show. Some of you too young to know who Phil Donahue is. I get that. But without Phil Donahue, there never would have been an Oprah, okay? He was one of those people that kind of paved the way for those those taught programs that came on during the day. And so there's Reginald Denny on Donahue facing one of the people that pulled him out of the truck that day. And he said, I forgive you. And he extended his hand. And they shook hands right there. On Phil Donahue's set. See what Reginald Denny would tell you that hey there there was those four men that pulled me out of the truck and beat on me. But the rest of the story is that there were four other men who came and ran them off and picked him up and carried him to the hospital right away. And we look at these stories that Jesus tells. And a part of us might think, how does all this make sense? But if we're honest with ourselves, I think most of us are. And we know that we are in the position of that tax collector. That we are often in the position of the younger brother. say it a thousand times. What are we church? Sinners saved by grace, right? There's that one time when Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? And I really think Peter was probably kind of proud of himself in this moment, because he said seven times, like, man, now that's graciousness right there. Seven times? He wronged me, I forgave him. 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 He wronged me yet again, and I forgave him. That's a whole lot of wronging, and a whole lot of forgiving right there. does jesus respond church no let's multiply by that by a factor of 11 and 77 times and some of you got the king james it says 70 times 7 either way peter thought his number was over the top i think and jesus says no we know that in that story in Luke 15 that it's the younger son it's the, it's the squanderer it's the sinner who comes back and begs for forgiveness and the dad doesn't even let him make his whole rehearsed speech and he says put a robe on him, put a ring on his finger and let's have a party because what was lost is now found. And so this idea of getting what we deserve, I praise God that He tells us that if we trust in Him, He will not give us what we deserve because He's going to forgive us. I praise God for that. I praise God that He has this infinite, unending capacity to forgive. So no, those stories of Jesus don't need any repair, do they, church? He told them the way He told them. And He told them for a reason because he said I want you to know that no matter what you've done you can be forgiven if you're just a person who simply has faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God are there consequences to our sins sometimes sometimes Are there consequences to sin that is never repented of? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But just as God forgives us, here's the hard part, church. He wants us to forgive each other. Which other? All other. He's willing to forgive us no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been then we have to be willing to do the same thing. Because this beautiful book does remind us that by the measure that we're willing to forgive other people that's the measure God will use to forgive us. So I encourage you To be a person who can stand before the Almighty. And he can say, yeah, you learned how to forgive. I understand. Some of it was hard. Some of it took a while. Some of it took a while. But you learned how to forgive. And you better believe I forgive you. Praise God that He is willing to forgive us. As we reflect on the idea of Christmas, if we anticipate the celebration that's coming of the birth of Jesus. I wanted to take some time today to remind us why that birth of Jesus was such a big deal because He allowed us to be reconciled to God in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our past. Let's face it, in spite of our present. Praise God that He loved us so much to give us a Savior. If you're with us this morning, and you have not yet declared Jesus Christ as Lord, we give you the opportunity this morning to walk the aisle and do that. Upon your confession, we make the waters of baptism available that, as Scripture says, that you can put on Christ in baptism, that you can rise from that water a new creation and start living life new. If you're with us this morning and um, you've got something that you need to share with us. Maybe you've not been living the way you should be living. Maybe it's a case where you just have something weighing on you and you would appreciate our prayers. We offer the invitation for those reasons as well. Let's stand together and sing.